Hello, and welcome to Linux Action News, episode 278, recorded on February 1st, 2023. I'm Chris. And I'm Wes. Hello, Wes. Let's do the news. We start this week with a batch of delightful desktop updates. The first, well, it's been just over a year in the making. Elementary OS 7 has been released, codenamed Horus. It's now available for download. And like we've become accustomed to with the most recent releases, the App Center is really the centerpiece of this release. And you can really see it from the project's perspective. They write, quote, The primary purpose of any operating system is to support the apps that you use to work, play, and express yourself creatively. In the latest version of App Center, we've worked on making app descriptions more engaging with more information, making it easier to update to the latest versions of apps, and improving support for sideloading and alternative app stores. Yeah, and the actual App Center application itself has seen a lot of work in just improving its responsiveness to ensure that you could use it comfortably maybe when you're tiling your windows or on a small or maybe even large display. Additionally, they've completely rewritten the way navigation works in the application, adding support for two-finger gesture swipes. You may notice the most significant change when viewing app info pages, much larger screenshots, and a slicker display. But the improvement we're the most interested in has got to be the change to offline updates in App Center. Yeah, other distros do this. Fedora famously does this. With elementary OS 7 now, App Center will install system updates in what they call an offline mode. And that ensures that essential services are restarted correctly, avoiding like odd crashes or version mismatches when updating. So the way it works is packages are downloaded and prepared while you're running the system during your average session. And then when you do a normal restart, they're quickly installed. There are also updates throughout the user experience. And the blog post covers much of this in detail. But one thing I wanted to note was the music app has been rewritten from scratch and with a new way of using it in mind. Something to check out if you'd like a native desktop Linux app for your music. Something else worth calling out, improved battery life. Hey, that's good to see. So this release has profile power management, including performance mode for the devices that support it. But if you're in the battery saver mode, they write that you should expect much improved battery life on mobile devices. But I think you're probably right, Wes. If you're a fan of elementary OS or if you just appreciate a well-designed desktop, you should at least go read their blog post, which we will have linked in the notes. Also, I have to say big props to their team for the effort to just eke out performance throughout the entire stack in version 7. This release looking really good from a performance optimization standpoint. Nicely done. And for those of you who enjoy the lightweight XFCE desktop, the next major release is set to bring some significant modernization. Early work has started that enables support for Wayland. The crucial component here that makes this all possible is libxfce for windowing, a new abstraction library that's attempting to present windowing concepts, think screens, top-level windows, workspaces, that kind of thing, in a windowing system-independent manner so it could work with either X, of course, or, in the future, Wayland. Now, this library's early days. Uh, the Wayland support is kind of landing, but it's not a lot, and there's still a lot of work that needs to go into it, but 
Boy, is it great to see this. I was really wondering what would happen to XFCE in the Wayland transition. And I think some of us had begun to worry it would fade away. Yeah, there was certainly a question of, would it make the jump to Wayland? And many of us out there hoping so. So definitely nice to see. Of course, though, as part of this work, other components will need to be updated. You know, things like XFCE's panel, which also just recently received a bunch of bug fixes and code cleanup to improve the task list, the window menu, the clock, and a whole lot more. But I get the impression that a fair amount of work is still ahead. Yeah, but for example, that panel is taking advantage of that libxfce4 window library. And so they can do a lot of that heavy lifting in that library. And then the ecosystem of XFCE components and applications just have to be updated to support that library. But I don't mean to minimize that amount of work, especially for an overtaxed team. And a lot of this stuff is going to be kind of optional, I would suspect, in the early development process where you can have a system that's partially Wayland compatible, but maybe the core components are Wayland compatible. Some of the things they're depending on are still relying on X. We may see that transition take place. But the hope is that it all kind of comes together around the XFCE 4.20 release time, which is currently begun life as XFCE 4.19. So you can kind of keep an eye on 4.19 to get an idea where things are going. But if we're being realistic with you all, I think we'd be lucky to see everything ship by the end of 2024 in that 4.20 release. Over the last few years, we've covered an impressive array of technologies that the free software community is building together. And System76's Cosmic Desktop Project, well, it seems to be pulling a lot of these new advances together. Yeah, while being sure to give credit to the shoulders they're building on top of, Alex from System76 shared a January Cosmic update. Uh, For those of you who are not really following the Cosmic Desktop, System76 describes it as the following, quote, moving the feel and front-end functionality of Pop! OS to a faster code base, giving you a familiar but snappier experience. Well, okay. Let's see where that goes. I suppose the users will be the ultimate judge here. Though, Chris, I know you do love a snappy desktop. But I am excited to see them push some of these technologies forward, especially the bits revolving around the Rust programming language and that iced toolkit. Definitely some interesting technologies in there we've been tracking. And I'm also just excited to see how they put all this together and it ultimately plays out. It does seem like things are a little closer than we had realized. One major feature that's landed was dynamic render support in the iced toolkit. This enables support for hardware rendering with the ability to fall back on software when needed. There's also been a lot of work just improving the settings for the desktop environment in general. Their settings app is looking really good. And I think one area I wanted to draw your attention to is their revamped multi-monitor UI. Just the monitor settings in general might be one of the best cracks at that in Linux I have seen yet. We are also seeing some signs of pragmatic compromises. x support was recently added to Cosmic's compositor called Cosmic Comp, which now allows things like Firefox, Steam, and other X11 software to work on the Cosmic DE. And there also seems to be a steady trickle of patches going upstream to the projects they're building on top of. I'm not sure if any of them are quite standouts yet, but 
nice quality of life improvements to see all around, and I think a nice example of a company leveraging open source software and contributing back up at the same time. We'll be tracking the Cosmic Desktop's development, and of course we'll link to the latest update, which has a lot more details than we have time to go into here in the show. But you can count on when it ships, or even gets close to shipping status. We'll get a hands-on, we'll kick the tires, and give you our first thoughts. But in the meantime, go check the link in the notes. In a follow-up to a story we covered last week, Canonical has announced the general availability of its Ubuntu Pro subscription service for Ubuntu users who would like to, or need to, put off those pesky OS upgrades. Released in beta back in October of last year, Ubuntu Pro is now generally available for personal and small-scale commercial use on up to five machines. Support starts with Ubuntu 16.04 and promises up to 10 years of security updates, as well as access to some exclusive tools. Canonical says that if you need Ubuntu Pro for more than those five starter PCs, well, you'll have to purchase a paid plan, which is currently priced at 25 USD per year for workstations, or 500 USD per year for servers, with a 30-day free trial. Official Ubuntu community members, though, well, they get free support for up to 50 machines. Leno.com slash land. Go there to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account. And it's just a great way to support the show while you're checking out the Linux Geeks Cloud. It is open source, turned up to 11 up there because the systems are super fast. They got 40 gigabit connections coming to the hypervisors. They're always upgrading the storage on the rigs, on their block storage, on their S3 compatible storage. They have 11 data centers today. They're adding another dozen throughout the year, just this year. And they've really focused on creating the absolute best experience to run applications on Linux in the cloud. If you like to build it up from the ground or you want one of those one-click deployments, they've got option for that entire range. If you like to use infrastructure management tools, they'll plug right in with everything you need. And if you ever get stuck, they've got the best customer support in the business. It's something they just had to design the business around to stay competitive. One of the few tricks they've learned over the last nearly 19 years. So for super fast rigs and networking, a Linux culture that runs deep, and the only place that the crew here trusts to host our backend in the cloud, go check out Linode. You'll see why we choose Linode when you go. Linode.com slash LAN. Get the hundred bucks and support the show. Linode.com slash LAN. And thanks to Collide. Visit Collide.com slash LAN. You know the old saying, when the only tool you have is a hammer, Everything looks like a nail. Well, the traditional approach to device security is that hammer, a blunt instrument that can't solve nuanced problems. Even after installing clunky agents that users hate, IT teams still have to deal with mountains of support tickets over the same old issues. And they have no way to address things like unencrypted SSH keys, OS updates, or pretty much anything going on with a Linux box. Collide gives IT teams a single dashboard for all devices. Mac, Windows, and yes, even Linux. You can query your entire fleet to check for common compliance issues or even write your own custom checks. Plus, instead of installing intrusive software that creates more work for your IT teams, Collide's lightweight agent shows end users how to fix issues themselves. 
you can achieve endpoint compliance by adding a new tool to your toolbox. Visit collide.com slash LAN to find out how. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash LAN. On the other side of the free desktop world, FreeBSD-based Hello System 0.8 was recently released. It builds itself as a desktop system for creators, focusing on simplicity, elegance, and usability. And the core developer of it happens to be the creator of AppImage as well, which I just thought was a bit interesting. Hello System 0.8 has seen numerous interface improvements in this most recent release. I counted at least 30 individual improvements that I thought had some at least notable impact. And I also saw there's groundwork being laid for this entirely new application launching infrastructure. Under the hood, Hello System is now based on FreeBSD 13.1. And it now comes preloaded with VirtualBox guest additions, which provides some niceties like screen resizing, copy and paste, that sort of thing. At least when you're running it in VirtualBox. If you do it that way, hopefully you get a better idea of how the system runs. But they do stress the desktop is designed to run on real hardware. We also noticed that they have some initial support now for launching some app images, though it does require a Debian runtime to be installed. Regardless, that's just neat. That is. Getting some app images on there does definitely increase the software base. Uh, To the point about virtualization, so I initially tried this in boxes, and the performance was pretty lackluster. So I went and I got VirtualBox, which I haven't used in years, and uh, it did run better, but they will give you an actual dialog box. It's like, hey, just so you know, um, if you're going to actually install this, you probably want to install it on hardware. And that's fine. I, I can understand that. So it, it, I, I will not judge all the performance just based on the VM experience. I'm going to try it on hardware in the future. But I have to say, it kind of gave me this prototype Mac OS concept vibe in a good way. In a good way. I don't mean that badly. Like, if, if you could visualize for a moment Apple's trying to decide if they want to build Mac OS 10. And so they task a group of developers to create a proof of concept OS that's based on FreeBSD. I feel like that's what this would be because it's definitely closer to FreeBSD than it is anything else. It's just just pretty damn close. It's nice in that regard too. Like it's like that's a positive thing in my opinion. But it has the vibe of like early stage Mac OS without that unrelenting product cycle that crams every single feature marketing could think of into the OS. Now, of course, it's it's hard to judge things that are, you know, this early. But Hello System feels pretty snappy, pretty minimal, at least for, you know, how much you can tell in a virtual machine. Which makes me curious, Chris. You know, we talked a bit already today about XFCE and its modernization efforts. How do you think, at least with, you know, the apps you might need in hand, let's say app, app image support continues developing, how does Hello System compare to XFCE? Mm, that's a good question. I think that's the right mindset, is if, if a lightweight desktop environment appeals to you, then Hello System might also appeal to you, because it definitely has a minimal style. In, in the sense that they don't add a bunch of extra options for anything. They also don't lean on the hamburger menu to hide things away. They just try to keep it clean and simple. And I like that. Um, 
it feels more opinionated than XFCE2. And what I mean by that is they clearly have some guiding design principles and they've thought really deeply about certain kinds of workflows. I think probably an example of this is they have a goal of users feeling a unified experience regardless of the app toolkit they might be using. And one of the ways they try to deliver that, amongst others, is this global menu that they've set up. And they describe that as, quote, a concept and user interface design where a system-wide widget on the screen displays the menu items, also known as actions in Qt, for all applications. And then if you combine that, that kind of that mindset of, you know, a feature that they've added to the OS to, to create a system-wide menu that's always on screen, that always stays there, when you combine sort of that practical implementation of their philosophy with a statement they make on their GitHub, I think it really helps click who this is all for. And that statement is, quote, because we used to like the Mac since 1984, but it's increasingly getting difficult. If that sounds like you and you like lightweight systems, I think Hello System is pretty good. I think they've built something pretty unique here. Now, we should note here that the project makes it clear in their documentation they're not just trying to copy the Mac, especially where the Mac is going lately, but they are trying to follow the Macintosh human interface guidelines that Apple laid out 30 years ago. I think if you go into this and you try it and you think of it as a Mac clone and you compare it to Mac OS, it's going to fall short and it's going to fail your expectations. If you go into this as what would a FreeBSD desktop look like kind of using some of the same design principles of Apple from 30 years ago with a minimal take for creators and developers today. And when I first started using it, I was like, okay, I see what they're doing here. Okay, this is cute. I'm going to check back in in a year. But I kept using it for a little bit longer and I kept using it for a little bit longer. And, and now, having played with it for a bit, I'm thinking, I'm going to keep messing around with this for the rest of the week. And I, I'm going to put it on a physical laptop over the weekend and I'm going to give it a go on physical hardware because I think it's time to start taking this project a little more seriously. They've really got something here and so we're going to keep an eye on it just like we do with the rest of the world of Linux and open source news. So don't miss a single episode. Go to linuxactionnews.com slash subscribe for all the ways to get each new episode. And linuxactionnews.com slash contact if you got any good tips for getting familiar with FreeBSD. (laughs) or news tips and feedback also appreciated. And here's a little pro tip for you. Office Hours 22 comes out later this week. And in that episode, we take the lid off of a secret project we're working on to add a whole bunch of more features to JB Podcasts. So don't miss Office Hours 22 when it comes out later this week. As for this show, well, don't worry. We'll be back next week right here with our take on the latest Linux and open source news. Thanks for joining us. And that's all the news for this week.